Welcome to That Good May Become with me, Laura Scappatici, where we learn to illuminate the esoteric in our everyday lives. Hey, it's Laura here with you to disrupt materialism about life in general. We are working with How to Know Higher Worlds by Rudolf Steiner, and we're on chapter three. I'm so excited that I'm here because Every week I'm like, am I going to get this chapter done? Am I going to get this chapter done? And then I do it. And so here I am with chapter three after a very, very long chapter two. I hope you made it through. Let me know how you're doing with it. There's only one other chapter that's that long in the book, chapter five. It's actually one of my favorites because it's just packed with amazing exercises. But the rest of the chapters are pretty short and so is this one. So I just want to remind you that this work, work with it however it suits you and don't feel guilty. It's not meant to overwhelm you. It's just meant to be something you go through. You can listen to it. You can read it. You can listen and read. You can take notes. You can just take it in. You're probably going to struggle with it as I do. You might want to throw it out. Um, (laughs) There's all different feelings that'll come up. We'll talk about feelings, I think, in chapter five. Uh, But just keep going and just go through it with me. You don't have to understand it all. I am still really struggling. I've read this book at least three times and there are still lots of things I don't quite get. So I say go through, absorb what you will, digest what you will, ponder what you will, and trust yourself. Trust yourself because you are listening for a reason. And I just think it's incredible that you're joining me on this journey, especially during, you know, a busy summer and School starting for some people pretty soon. We'll just we'll just walk along and see what happens. All right, I'm still ro- really working with the animal sounds. It's like the only thing I can just do when I'm very busy is walk outside and just like tune in to birds and animals. And that's from the last chapter. Um, I should be doing the death and decay and the seed meditation more. I did do the seed meditation once again, and. I need to be doing it like every day. I'm noticing the death and decay. Um, I think if I do this book next year as a book club, I'll have times for people to do it live, like maybe online. What do you think about that? Let me know your thoughts. Um, One thing I'm going through right now, just on a personal perception level, is I'm working with technology a lot more because I'm in a new job. And I'm just noticing these different realms I'm in. So this digital realm and the non-digital realm of my everyday life. And I, I feel really like acutely attuned to the differences there. And when I step in and out of them and what it feels like in my body and just um, almost like this mental picture I have of it. So I, I wonder what's happening for you. Are you seeing anything a little more like, is there anything kind of crossing through your mind or your body or your perception a little more finely um, after working with this book? All right. Uh, get ready to coast through this one and enjoy things like the Temple of Wisdom, the Potion of Oblivion, and the Potion of Memory. That's so cool, right? All right. 
here we go. We're just going to start out with a quote that helps me not feel so bad about where I am on page 69. We can fully experience only as much of our mysteries of existence as the level of our maturity allows. This is the only reason why we find obstacles on our path to higher knowledge and capacities. So chapter three is about initiation, and he's basically telling us there, like, you're going to get as far as you can with your own maturity, and that's okay. So sometimes I think I'm very immature, and that's probably accurate. And sometimes I'm like, you know, on a roll. Um, So there are three trials in this chapter, the fire trial, the air trial, the water trial. Usually an initiate goes through multiple lifetimes. We could talk about incarnation and uh, incarnations, yes, but also reincarnation at another point. Uh, But you need to be prepared to go through these all in one lifetime if you're doing this path and doing this book. Uh, It sounds like maybe a little too much like Avatar The Last Airbender. Have you guys watched that show? It's an anime show. I recommend it for any kids nine and up. It's so, so, so good. We kind of watch the whole thing over the holidays sometimes. Um, And there's like fire, air, water, earth, but that's not what he's talking about here. Um, I digress. So we're going to dive into each one and talk about some poignant quotes. I'll ask you questions throughout, and then there'll be some exercises and questions I have for you at the end. Okay, fire trial. Why is it called the fire trial? It's because it burns away a veil that is between us and our spiritual sight. And he says, it gives us a truer perception than the average person possesses of the physical properties initially of inanimate bodies, and then of plants, animals, and human beings. So he's saying, you know, we're not concerned with science here and like looking at plants, animals, and human beings under a microscope. We're concerned, again, he always talks about spiritual science. We're concerned with perception. So uh, here's another quote I really love. For many people, ordinary life itself is already a more or less unconscious process of initiation through the fire trial especially those who have lived a life so rich in experiences that their self-confidence, courage, and steadfastness have matured in healthy ways. They have learned to bear suffering, disappointment, and failure calmly, magnanimously, with unbroken strength. Are you one of these people? Have you lived a life so rich in experience? that you you have these qualities now? Or can you think of someone like this in your life? I think I can think of two people. It made me wonder, like, is this why we had saints? These these were the people that lived this way, that, you know, born these disappointments and failures and just kept going and had this steadfastness. So when I need strength, I bring these people that are in my life. Uh, they could be living or dead or, like I said, saints or anybody. Um, but I bring them into my head, not that in, in my heart. And that, that gives me courage to just keep going with, with the fire trial and all the trials of life. All right. The objective is to, of this trial is to acquire truer self-confidence, greater courage, and quite a different kind of magnanimity and endurance that is normally attainable in the lower world. So, okay, just try to say magnanimity three times fast, but that that's like this, this gift of, um, 
Hmm. I'm going to have to look it up in the dictionary because every time it's in the virtues too. And I'm like, magnanimity. It's like a, a calm generosity of spirit, like a very even, like you're magnanimous. Uh, so you're trying to uh, acquire a, a, that sort of endurance and confidence in in the world more than you could normally attain. And guess what? We'll get to see the occult script. <laughs> what is that? I think it's a way of just describing what we're, what we're, what's appearing before us. Like he has to use these earthly words so we can get it. So occult script, he says, you know, we begin to see it and read it. And I guess it's kind of like, you know, our eyes change and they adjust. So if I like make this akin to learning another language you know, when it comes on, when that language comes on in your head, when you've learned it enough, you you start to think in it and like dream in it. And I think maybe it's it's something like that. Like you just have this perception of this other language happening all the time. On page 73, it says, it becomes apparent that all that came before was like learning the letters of the alphabet in order to spell. But now we begin Reading in the higher world. For the first time, we experience complete certainty in our observation of the higher world. Before, we could never be sure whether the things we saw were seen correctly. That's page 73. I really like that because there's a certainty that happens when you, again, like when you're learning a language and you're able to speak to someone that you meet on the street and just blah, 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 blah. Um, you can they have that confidence in yourself and you know what you're, what you're hearing from them. You can respond and understand it differently. And that's, what's going to happen to us in this world of perception of this, of the spirit. We'll just be perceiving that all the time and feel certain. We won't be like, Oh my God, did that really happen? Did I just, you know, have this perception of death and decay? that was so acute or I'm out in nature and having an experience there, or I'm seeing this thing about a human, we'll just know it'll, it will feel confident because we've practiced and practiced and practiced. Okay. Now then he starts talking about the guardians of the galaxy. No, I'm just joking. I had to say that he talks about the helpers of humanity. Gosh, do you know these people? I do. They're there's, there's so much to admire there. He says, these are people who perform such actions unconsciously without having undergone esoteric training. There's a lot of anthroposophists will be like, oh, that person, they must be an anthroposophist. Like they have these qualities or, you know, someone will be like, oh, I, I wonder if they're Christian or that person really seems like they have these qualities of Buddhism. Well, maybe they're helpers of humanity. Um, and these helpers of the world and humanity pass through life bestowing blessings and good deeds wherever they go. And he says, for reasons that will not be discussed here, they have been endowed with gifts that seem supernatural. Oh yeah, I think we do know these people. Like we're we're talking about Gandhi and Martin Luther King and like these incredible human beings that walk around and, and people in ordinary lives that just bestow these blessings and good deeds. There are other those helpers of humanity. Let's bring them into our hearts and carry them with us too. And and here's a a quote for parents. <laughs> so if you have kids, get ready for this one. I love this. So we've got these helpers of humanity that we're really admiring. And then we've got people like me who, like if I, I don't know, you guys, you know my house is messy, right? Like the, <laughs> the drawers 
are messy. There's like my backpacks over there on the floor. Hopefully the dishes were done last night. Um, if my land ladies listening, I'm very sorry. Uh, we're taking good care of your house, but you know, there's like a pile of laundry over there, right to my right. But here's the quote for parents. No higher duty should force us to neglect even one of our duties in the ordinary world. Just take that in a minute. No higher duty should force us to neglect even one of our duties in the ordinary world. If we are parents, we shall continue to fulfill our responsibilities just as well as we did before entering upon the path to higher knowledge. On the contrary, esoteric training enhances to a degree inconceivable to the initiated the very qualities that make us competent in life. So, you are going to have a transformation where you are moving down this path and then the other areas of your life will also transform. So not just your spiritual perception, but your way of relating to the world. And this whole chapter is kind of about that, that change within us that brings us closer to being a helper of humanity, brings us closer to having these spiritual perceptions we need to help humanity advance and evolve. Now, we what will happen is we're going to have tasks to do, spiritual tasks, but we're not going to have any outward reason or responsibility to do them. So this is like meditation. It's an act of free will. Nobody's going to ever make you meditate. And actually they can't because you can't do it on command, right? Like somebody's like, sit down and meditate. I mean, I guess you could. I guess you could go All right, maybe I'm wrong. You could go to a retreat and the person leading the retreat could tell you to meditate. But to put yourself into the state of meditation is solely yours. Um, And he's saying, now we're going to have tasks to do and it's not going to be our job telling us to do it. It's not going to be our partners. It's not going to be any outside world reason. We are going to have a responsibility that is given to us, a spiritual responsibility, and we're going to have to do it. And he says... Uh, if we can recognize our duty and carry it correctly, then we have successfully passed this trial. I think I'm still wondering what my duty is. Like, am I doing it with this podcast? Like, well, I have to say this definitely, as you know, was something I've been thinking about for a, a really long time. And you know what's so funny? The um, anthroposophical branch, the group of people that I get to to study anthroposophy. Different cities have them. They are studying this book too. And I just heard of another group of people working with this book. So there is something coming through right now with this book. But I don't know if that's what he means by we recognize our duty and carry it correctly. Like, is it a lifelong duty? Is it now? I don't know. I'm just going to live with that one. And we can tell we can tell we have this duty because of da, 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 the water trial. Um, I love this explanation that he gives about what the water trial is. It's so visual. He says it's like swimming in deep water. We lose the ground under our feet, and we must be okay with that and trust our abilities. So we we can't feel the bottom, but like we still are intact, and we still know what we need to do. So even though we can't feel the bottom. There's, we're, we're kind of treading water. It doesn't feel like um, unimportant or ungrounded. It's very grounded. And it usually takes many incarnations, many lives on earth. Uh, but because we're practicing, this is going to be shorter and we'll come to the water trial more quickly. 
um, I have to say, sometimes these things come online really strong, strongly for me. Sometimes these spiritual perceptions, and sometimes I'm just doing my job, raising my kids, and everything is in the background. And I wonder what that's like for you. That's why the book study is so nice because it it just brings it into focus, and I have other people to do it with. Now, the virtue we develop in this trial, while well, we're we're in the water and we can't find our feet is to act wholly according to our spiritual perceptions. So even though we're not, even though we're in this trial and nobody's telling us what to do, we realize that we need to act wholly according to our spiritual perceptions. That's on page 76. And this trial is going to give us, lucky us, abundant opportunities to develop self-control. Now, I think we know people that have a lot of self-control. And if you already have a lot of self-control, you're going to breeze through the water trial. Um, His example is, you know, think of someone, you know, who can follow high principles and ideals regardless of their personal feelings and desires. And they understand they need to perform the duties even when, you know, inclinations and disinclinations and um, sympathies turn them in another direction or inclinations and sympathies turn them in another direction. So even though they want to do something else, they they don't do that because they know that they have to follow these higher principles. And we're going to do that. We're going to be following these higher principles once we move through this trial. And we need sound judgment on this. Um, We must be able to follow the right discipline and not be subject to our own arbitrariness. How about that? Like the self-discipline. Truth alone is the guiding principle. So we've got to let go of things that aren't true. And I think, and I hope most of us have a strong sense of the truth. Sometimes we bury it under our needs and wants, right? Like we know maybe we shouldn't be doing something, but we're like, or it's going to make us sick, or it's mm, like aligned more with greed than with giving, (laughs) Um, but we, we kind of bury that. So he's telling us that, you know, we need to find the truth and attune to it. And this is something I think we could play with this week. Like, and maybe nobody else has a problem with this, but just attuning to what is true in the moment and following that. All right. There's a part on, and this, this goes along with the truth about fantasy and superstition. And I'm wondering what that means to you. That's on page 78. So if you take a look at that, let me know. He says that the worst enemies on the path of higher cognition are draw, are um, dreaming, fantasizing superstition. And here he's like, really like a scientist again. He's like, stay grounded. This stuff is real. It's what's happening is real. It's not Harry Potter and it's not, you know, I don't know, his dark materials. It's it's real what's happening. Your perceptions are real. But don't worry, even though, you know, people are drawn to dreaming and fantasizing and superstition a little bit for the beauty, you're not going to lose the beauty or the poetry of life through doing this. It's still it's going to be richer and richer still. And he follows this up like with this really empowering quote is saying that we're going to discover the higher self when we pass through the trial. And here's this poignant, poignant poet to quander. <laughs> Let me try that again. <laughs> I need to do my speech exercises before I record this. Poignant quote to ponder. We must resolve 
at every moment to listen to the inspiration of the Spirit in all things. We must courageously overcome all that keeps us from listening to the Spirit. So what are the things that keep you from listening to the Spirit? I'd love to know. Like, And can you, can you have this courageous resolve to just keep listening? Listen to the inspiration of the Spirit in all things. And again, it's not like a fantasy picture of the Spirit in all things. It's through your research and your practices, your diligent practice. No pressure, really, no pressure. But still, you know what I'm saying. And we'll find that, you know, only in ourselves can we find this. We can't be passive anymore. Like the, our passivity will go away and we'll develop this really strong presence of mind, a decisiveness and a self-reliance. And guess what then? Oh, we get to enter the temple of wisdom. So silence is going to come up. Do you remember when we walk into the temple, there's some silence here. Uh, if you remember from the last chapter, he's like, where is it? Chapter one, like, don't talk about it so much, but he's taking this a step further and he's saying, we're going to acquire the noble quality of silence with regard to many things that we used to talk about before and especially how we used to talk about them. And I'm, I think I'm finding this to be true. As I said in the last time, these experiences that we have the earthly words are a little tricky. So just holding them and not feeling like you got to tell somebody like this thing is happening. It's just holding onto it and the holding onto it makes it deeper and makes it more permanent and makes it grow. So enjoy the noble quality of silence when you walk into the temple of wisdom, folks. Okay. Uh, and in, you know, the way that Steiner does, he brings it all back to the service of humanity. We're getting really close to the end of the chapter here. I told you this one's so much quicker. Oh my goodness. Um, he says, we need to stay true to these teachings and apply them in service of humanity. Okay. It's not about us. And this is why I think we need this book right now. It's about making the world a better place and evolving. So he said, we would be poor initiates if we did not place the mysteries we have experienced at the service of the world as much as possible. We got to place these experiences in service to the world. That's on page 81. And guess what? Here comes the potion of oblivion. Um, I'd love to know what you think of this section on page 81 about the potion. I am, it reminded me of trauma work and triggers. And I don't think that's what he's saying, but that's what I could relate it to. So in this quote, he says, we must know how to tear down the veils of memory that surround us at every moment of our lives. Otherwise, if I judge today's experiences by those of yesterday, I become subject to many errors. And he's like, you're going to get a new revelation. Come in every time to these experiences in your lives with a, a new revelation. Don't hold on to what was past. Like just... Go with what you're seeing right down. That's the potion of oblivion. And then he talks about the potion of memory. I love how magical this sounds. He's really given them catchy names, I think, to help us remember. He said, this enables one to keep the higher mysteries always present and in mind. Our ordinary memory is insufficient for this. So 
we're going to take this potion of memory and that's going to help us keep all that we've learned, these perceptions, our understanding of death and decay, what we're seeing in the world, our courage, um, this hearing the spirit talking to us and through all things, it's going to keep it with us, this potion of memory. And, you know, we wouldn't be able to do that in regular life, but because we've advanced through these stages, through the air trial, which is what just happened, we are going to have the steadfast commitment to our path. All right, that's a wrap. Quick chapter. Um, next one to practical considerations. We get to talk about, oh, the virtue that eludes me so many times a day, patience. Um, we're going to talk about ang- anger and tact in chapter four. Here are the exercises. Could you write down what stood down, out to you in this chapter? You could send it to me or not. Um, do you have lingering questions? Have you had experiences? I would really love if you picked out your favorite quote um, from chap- any of these three chapters and send it to me. If you can include the page number in the chapter, that would be super. I would love to know what your most poignant quotes to ponder are for you. And uh, as my friend Robert did last week, please send me a picture of you and your book and or just the book, whatever you're comfortable with. I would love that. And or you and a plant, you and a seed, anything you want. And I'm happy to post them. And if you don't want me to post them, that's fine. I just love to see it. All right. Thank you so much. I will see you again, hopefully next week for chapter four. 